This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 743 with Dr. Heidi Brocky. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 743. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Heidi Brocky is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. After spending 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, she broke the chains and turned her past into her passion. She left her 24-year career in healthcare to use her life experience and education to be the person she needed when she herself was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship, and now she provides hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. Through education, Heidi presents the understanding needed to empower others to walk through fear and into their freedom. She's helped hundreds rid and heal their toxic relationships, and she hosts the popular podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People podcast. She's an international keynote speaker, recipient of the Empowering Women in Business of the Year Award by Inspiring Lives Magazine, and has been featured in both Forbes and Time Magazine for the dedication given to her clients and for her work in the toxic relationship area. Listen in to hear Heidi share what it looked like for her to be in a toxic relationship and how she ended up having to leave her three daughters in order to escape her partner. 
The components of a toxic relationship and the tactics people with toxic personalities use to create security for themselves, which is their primary goal. What abuse can look like inside a toxic relationship and why it can be hard for victims to identify. Her four-part framework to help women in toxic relationships, whether it's with a partner, friend, family member, coworker. She helps you understand through education, understanding, owning your power, and finding freedom. She also then shares what a toxic teardown is and how to recognize it and how she was able to reestablish her relationship with her daughters after being separated from them for five years. We dig deep in this one. There's so much in this conversation and Heidi is very forthcoming and transparent with her story. She's extremely vulnerable. And I think that you're going to see a lot in this story in terms of how you might view relationships with certain people, what a toxic relationship is or isn't. It's actually interesting how Heidi talks about people with narcissistic tendencies. She dispels some myths around that and also helps you see into some of the things that certain people can do to be controlling in relationships and sometimes even push right into that place of being abusive and that you might not even recognize. So there's a lot in this conversation. Listen carefully. And of course, if you think that this episode or interview could help someone else, please share this episode. I know we have listeners who have been in these kinds of relationships who are currently in these kinds of relationships. And we all probably know someone who has been in a relationship with a person who is toxic and potentially narcissistically abusive. And it's really important that we spread this kind of information so that we can help more shameless moms step into their power, find freedom and be in a place where they can lead healthy and productive and powerful lives. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Heidi Brocky to the Shameless Mom Academy. Heidi, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes, thanks for having me. I've been excited. I've been waiting, actually. Oh my gosh. Well, me too. When I got the kind of inquiry for this conversation, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I just know this is going to be relatable to different people. And it's just, there were so many things in the information that you and your team sent over where I immediately was able to see how this could be a valuable conversation. And we're going to touch on some things that I think are kind of hot button items right now when it comes to women and relationships. And I'm really excited to dig in. So with all that said, I would love to know a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And what are you most excited about right now? Oh, the dynamics about my beyond my bio of my personal and professional life. That's a big question. So the first thing I always say, everybody sees the Dr. Heidi thing and they see what I do and everybody assumes I'm a mental health professional. I'm not a licensed mental health professional. I am a chiropractor acupuncturist by trade. I spent 14 years in a relationship that was not healthy for me. I had no idea it was not healthy for me because when you're in it, you don't see it. And I had to move and start over. And then I kind of started looking back on it and decided that I needed to expand my knowledge of going through it to other people. So me being a not mental health professional, I do a lot of education. Now, outside of my bio, I've been out of that yucky marriage for 14 years, and I've been remarried for 10 to the cutest man on the planet, best person (laughs) for me ever. He really helped save my life. I have three daughters. I'm in the middle of three sisters. I grew up on in a little tiny community on dairy farm in Bozeman, Montana. And now that's famous because everybody's watching Yellowstone, of course. And I was raised in a family environment that was very what I would call normal. Not that anybody's family is normal, um, but the community was very close knit. I went to the Christian school and I saw like the 
the same people for the first 18 years of my life. And unlike a lot of the people I work with, I grew up in something that was normal. And I left that community thinking everybody was like that. So Mm -hmm. when I met my former, it was very difficult for me to see through that somebody would not, you know, be kind and want your best interest in mind and support you. And I think that had a lot of to do with my downfall into that, not understanding that. But yes, like I said, I'm good now and I love my job. I retired from healthcare two years ago. So I do toxic relationship awareness and healing full time all day long, every day. I love it. Wow. Can you, so you referenced your past relationship. Can you, let's dig into that a bit. I know that that is such a huge inspiration and really has informed your current career path. Can you talk about how your experience in that relationship led to the work that you do today? Yeah. And it actually stems where, how my whole business started to, when you are in a relationship like this, and you probably have listeners that are going to relate very much to this. You don't really have time to think about what's going on. You don't have time to wonder if it's toxic, wonder if it's abusive, wonder if, you know, you should have been in it or you should not have been in it because the toxic personality is very controlling and they're very unpredictable and our attention has to stay on them all the time. So when I was in this relationship, all I could think about was trying to stay one step ahead of him. You know, if he does this, I'm going to do this. If he says this, I'm going to do this. If he comes home in a bad mood, girls, can you be really quiet? Because so I was always trying to be ahead of him so that I could anticipate what was coming next. So when I was in it, I never even tried to process or understand it at all. And when I was in it, you don't talk about it. We'll go into the definition of the toxic relationship in a little bit, but you don't talk about it because when you are in something like that and you talk about it to people who've never been in it, they seem to really not get it. And you hear things like, well, if it's so bad, why don't you leave? Or, well, how come you're still there? And the actual emotional connection that goes along with this, people don't understand. So I never talked about it. Well, I'll hit on this a little bit later because of one of your questions kind of has to do with this. But when I left, I had to run away and I ran away two years after I was divorced. So that floors a lot of people, but it makes complete sense once I can explain it. Yeah, I was so excited to have have the divorce papers in my hand. Because I thought, oh, thank goodness, 12 years, I've been trying to get out of this. I knew I should have never married him, but I was trying to protect my kids. And I had divorce papers in my hand and nothing changed. Not one thing changed. We had a practice together. We had a ranch together. You know, he worded the things in the paperwork so that there was no accountability on who had the kids when. And so here I am two years post-divorce and he is still controlling everything, controlling the money, you know, in my life. He could date whoever he wanted. He would threaten me with my life if I was going to date. And I I was divorced. And as I started kind of trying to stand up for myself, things escalated. So when I finally decided to leave, I basically, I mean, I feel like I was running for my life. I mean, it wouldn't have been a, a premeditated anything. It would have been an accidental something in a fit of rage. And so I knew I had to leave and I met the accountant and I signed my practice over and I signed my patients over and I signed my accounts receivable over and I gave him the property. I kept one building that I could sell and I left my kids and Mm -hmm. he kept my kids from me for five years. So that being said, when I moved, I didn't talk about it either because I'm trying to reestablish a chiropractic office in a place. I didn't know anyone. I had no money. All I I left with $50,000 in debt in credit cards that he had taken out in my name and a Hummer he bought in my name that he quit paying for. So I was trying to get business built. Well, how are you supposed to explain that you're a mom that left her kids four hours away? 
So I really had to keep that part of my life really quiet and just really present myself as this lady who had all her shit together and was just Mm -hmm. this businesswoman, you know, and about four or five years into it, I kind of really realized I wasn't going to see my kids and that Mm -hmm. the relationship with my kids was probably long done and never be repaired. So I finally started taking care of myself. I finally made myself go back to the doctor. I started trying to make friends. I, you know, tried everything from yoga to whatever, just to push myself to do things. And, and it really did start working because I was starting to put my attention on me and had accepted the fact that I didn't have my girls. And then I started getting kind of bored with chiropractic and anybody who's in a profession for a long period of time, you know, you go through these periods of burnout and I could adjust people in the dark with my eyes shut, you know, and I was just, oh my gosh, I need something else. So I started doing women's retreats and coaching people on making themselves a priority because I thought, I was never a priority in that. And Mm -hmm. as people were coming to me, I found myself talking about my former life. And I realized these people that were coming to me for this priority coaching were coming straight out of these same relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just sat back and took a long look at it because I didn't talk about it when I was in it. Why would I want to talk about it now? Like, why would I want to continue to be involved in this kind of thing when I fought so hard to get out of it? And it was, I didn't have a choice. I did not pick this mission. This mission picked me. And once I started thinking about it, there was no stopping me. I couldn't quit thinking about doing it. And so I just started looking back on what really, really happened. And when I finally figured out what I'd really been through, I remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. That is so easy. Because all I did was just run and keep my attention on him the whole time. I didn't have time to understand it. So basically what I do is I teach people how the toxic personality thinks, because we only know how to think like we know how to think. Mm-hmm. You know, and these relationships aren't, they're not 100% bad. If they were 100% bad, people would be gone very early, but they go through, we have really good times and then we have really bad times and we have really good times. So it's very confusing. And what I had found myself doing was when you're on the top of the Ferris wheel and everything is good and you feel it going down, you know, if you just grit your teeth through the bad time, if you can make it through it, you'll be at the top of the Ferris wheel again. And so I basically lived my life around surviving through this cycle when I was in that relationship. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school.
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Can you talk a little bit about, thank you for all that, first of all. That's, I think, for you to dig in and share that, I'm sure it's not easy to share. I also recognize how powerful and important it can be for other women who might be in similar kinds of relationships to hear these, hear stories that can be relatable in different ways. Can you talk a little bit about what it, some of the things that happened on a day-to-day basis or what things looked like in your daily life that you say, like you couldn't see quite see some of it when you were in it. What are some things that either you could see with hindsight or that you'd like recommend that or mention to other people that might be red flags that you're in a toxic relationship? So do you mind if I set a little bit of foundation here? Yeah, go right ahead, please. So I chose the word toxic because toxic is not a diagnosis. Toxic is a blanket phrase. It's an adjective that's used to describe any relationship in the status that it's in that may be unhealthy for you mentally, physically, or emotionally. Okay. And, and when I started this, it was long before toxic was all over for social media. And the thing about the toxic person or the toxic relationship is it's, it's not discriminatory. Toxic relationships are in every race, every religion, every culture, every social circle, every dynamic toxic relationships can be in. And they're not just in intimate relationships. You know, one of my examples is an intimate relationship. I followed it up with a coworker type situation. It could be in family circles. It could be in social circles. I've helped people break away from their best high school friend when they realize that it's a toxic situation. And the other thing people don't understand about toxic is because we hear the word toxic people or toxic relationship. You are actually the one that gets to decide who in your life is healthy for you and who is not. So somebody who is toxic to you might not be toxic to Jane down the street, but you get to decide because of your personality, you know, how that works. And the toxic personality is driven by something completely different than we are. First of all, if the people that are listening 
if they're relating to this, they are probably the kind, caring, loving, giving, fix it, supporter, peacekeeper, conflict avoider type people. Because the toxic personality will seek out the empathetic, emotionally wired personality Mm -hmm. because we supply them with what they need. And the biggest drive for the toxic person is they step into relationships to feel secure in themselves. Okay. In the beginning of these relationships, it doesn't feel like that because in the beginning of the relationships, they love everything we love. They accept us. They love our hair. They love our family. They're so proud of us. They love our independence because if they told us that they were just stepping into the relationship for security in themselves, we would go thanks, but no thanks. Mm -hmm. So they lead us to believe that our relationship goals are the same. And as soon as we invest in the relationship and we believe they're trustworthy, people will feel that start to shift. And the things that you'll see, which is an answering to your question, is they use people in their life to get the things that they need in order to feel secure. And one of the tactics that they'll use is the bully on the playground technique. Criticisms, name calling, belittling. You know, I hear it all the time from my clients. It doesn't matter what I do. I can never do anything right. Okay, well, the toxic personality, if they can make you feel bad, they feel better. They feel power. They get your attention when they criticize you, which makes them feel more secure in themselves. You know, things like crossing your boundaries. You try to set a boundary. Well, who takes control when you set a boundary? The person setting the boundary. Okay, well, in a relationship like this, you don't get to have control. So the people who are in these, I remember my mom sent me the boundaries book three times when I was married to my former. And I remember the first time I got it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the answer because I've tried everything already. And I read the entire book and I thought, I have already tried all of that. Mm -hmm. But when I would try to set a boundary, and and it could be a a simple boundary. Can you please not wear your muddy shoes in the house right after I mop the floor? Okay, that's me taking control of a situation. In a toxic relationship, I don't get to have control. They get control. So what's the fastest way for them to regain control? Walk over your boundary. So if I would set a boundary that said, can you please not wear your muddy shoes in the house? You can guarantee what's going to happen in the next 48 hours. Right? <laughs> muddy because, shoes everywhere. Yes, muddy shoes everywhere because, because you just took control, which makes them feel a little bit more insecure. So they have to step over your boundaries mm-hmm. in order to regain that control. Well, from my point of view, now I look like the weak person who doesn't know how to set boundaries because what, what I finally ended up doing is I got walked over so much. I quit setting them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, yeah, whatever. I'll deal with it because I don't feel like having conflict with you. Now the emotional personality, because we're the fixers with the supporters, we adjust who we are to become what they need because we want to avoid conflict. We don't want to disappoint them. We don't want to make them mad, you know? So we lose a lot through these relationships. We lose our identity. We totally get rid of our value system. We let them control our schedule and our time and our friends. You know, we give up our hobbies. We give up our family. So our identity is basically completely gone. So the rebuilding from that is very hard. Some of the other red flags, the toxic personality is never going to take the blame. It's your fault. It's the dog's fault. It's the weather's fault. It's the cop who stopped him for speeding's fault. It's not their fault because they were speeding. And the toxic personality has a very huge view of themselves and anything that would make them take the blame would make them look bad. So they need to make somebody else take the blame because they feel more secure when they look good. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you would watch for is they are different people in public than they are at home. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, Yeah. Our our patients thought we were the cutest couple. And I had to pretend that when we were at work together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is it that they're a different person at home than they are in public? Because they love the attention and admiration in public. So they're going to be the deacon in church that's collecting, you know, the offering. They're going to be the Mm -hmm. super dad baseball coach. They're going to be the one who volunteers at the harvest festival because people will admire them for that. Mm-hmm. Well, then at home, they have a little bit different setting because they want the control and power. So you see this super nice person in public that's nice to everybody. And at home, that person's not even present. So that makes it difficult again for us to tell people what's happening because they only see the public person. Right. You know, some of the, what the I, fear is another red flag because this one is very important. You know, when we hear about, about abusive situations, we think of domestic violence. But the the toxic person loves it when people are scared of them. And it's not necessarily scared for your physical safety. It's scared of making them mad, scared of causing a fight, scared of upsetting them. And when we're living in fear, they feel very powerful, which makes them feel secure. So they like to threaten. They don't follow through on threats very often because we quick do whatever they want. So they don't have to, you know, we are always just trying to make sure everybody in our world is okay. And they take advantage of that. It's interesting. I know some folks who've been in relationships like this, and I have some coaching clients who have been in relationships like this and everything you said, 100% resonates. And that was really interesting was the, I think two pieces, first of all, that the public facing view is really different than the private facing view. And very few people typically know what that private view looks like. And so it is the perfect, all those perfect couple images that people see out there. And you're like, oh, wow, they just have it all figured out. And it's no, they don't. The other piece is what abuse looks like in those relationships can look different than what we think of abuse. And I'm using air quotes here looking like, I think that we, and you brought, you worded this really well, but we think abuse looks like hitting and, or like yelling, screaming, lashing out. And it can be subtle control, but like over time where it's like emotional and mental abuse that is so insidious and quiet and covert that that you don't recognize it. Well, it's a very slow drip because you really try to maintain your independence in the beginning, but as it always causes conflict and stuff, you start giving that up. Being Mm -hmm. in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. The long, mm-hmm. if you stay in the room, the smell goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That oh, doesn't, such a great, it does not mean it doesn't stink. But when my daughters and I would tell people what happened, they would look at us like we were crazy. And my kids and I would be like, oh no, it's, it's totally normal. It happens every day. You know, yeah. like it was so normal to us, the behavior, because we'd seen it every day. You had talked about how abuse looks. Mm-hmm. This is another thing that's dangerous. And it was very dangerous for me because when I would think about abuse, it was, well, he's, he's not hitting me every day. He's not. So then I would make myself be grateful that I wasn't in that type of relationship. Mm -hmm. So this isn't that bad. So, you know, and then I had the whole thing. Well, I have a doctorate. I've been through all of the psychology. I've been through all of that. And I'm way too smart to be in an abusive relationship. So there's no way that that's what this is. And I would explain it away a lot. And I would make excuses for his, you know, oh, he just had a bad day or he had a bad upbringing or, you know, he was just upset about something else. And so he would have these behaviors. And I found myself defending his behavior so it wouldn't look so bad to the outside or to my girls, rather than just really taking the time to dig into it and know this is not normal. My podcast is called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, because when you live in it, you think it's normal. And, you know, that was one of the reasons I left. 
that's the only example of a relationship my kids had and they thought it was normal. Mm, Yeah. I'm going to like pull the curtain back. You and I had this really interesting conversation before we hit record. And I think this is a good time to bring that in. So as people are listening to this, they might start thinking like, oh, it sounds like we're talking about relationships that involve narcissists. And so it was a funny learning moment for me when I had sent you questions for this interview around like narcissists and being in a relationship with narcissists, because this is the wording that's on my radar and the way that I've heard things termed in different ways through the clients that I've worked with and friends of mine, et cetera. And you were so kind to say like, Hey, there's a reason that I'm going to use certain language in this conversation and not really specifically um, label people as narcissists. And I want to dig into that because first of all, I think that words matter in such a huge way. I want to be accountable for using the best words that we know in any given moment in time and in history. And I also want to acknowledge that the word and the diagnosis um, of narcissism is thrown around really liberally right now. And that's not helping anyone. At the same time, we want to make sure that people who are exhibiting abusive, narcissistic behaviors and toxic and keeping people in toxic relationships is, are being held accountable for that. So mm-hmm. can you talk about this use slash overuse of the word narcissist and also the clinical diagnosis of narcissist and then why you choose to word things differently? Okay. Let's see, where do I start with this? Okay. So <laughs> I go back to the part that I'm not, I'm not a licensed mental health professional. Okay. I don't diagnose and I don't treat mental health conditions. I can fix your neck when you have a whiplash injury and I can diagnose a rotator cuff tear. That's my scope of practice. So I don't have any interest in that. And I remember when I was in my former relationship, I was pretty sure he had a diagnosis, but I kept reminding myself, but at the end of the day, whether he has a diagnosis or he doesn't, it does not make the relationship any healthier for me. And because I am very empathetic I would oftentimes feel sorry for the people that had a diagnosis. Now, as far as the word narcissist, narcissism flying around in the nineties, when I started practicing, everybody had fibromyalgia, right? Mm, And in the 2000s, everybody was allergic to gluten, right? (laughs) And now everybody's a narcissist and it's the buzzword. Mm -hmm. And I get that and it's fine. And it's very good when people are trying to validate if they are in a bad relationship to be able to research narcissism and narcissistic abuse, it's very validating. My stance is it is a narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosis and they are still people. And throwing around this narcissistic label without having a diagnosis, I just don't want to be the person that does that and disrespect the fact that it is a condition that some people have and the people that have it didn't ask to get it. You know, it's the same as somebody who has mental handicap. They didn't ask to have that, but we don't call them the slang words, mm-hmm. you know, and right. the word I hate worse than narcissist is when we shorten it and call them narcs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we have a slang word for the slang word that is actually mm-hmm. a diagnosis. So, and I'm not coming down on anybody for using it. Obviously I just like to one be respectful that it is a diagnosis. And two, mm-hmm. I have to remind people that if you want to research the different personality disorders, to validate that you're in something that's not healthy, that's perfectly fine. But don't spend so much time trying to diagnose your partner that you realize that you're spending more time trying to diagnose, which is, again, putting more attention on them. When at the end of the day, whether they have a diagnosis or not, it's still an unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. for you. So once you get the validation, start putting the energy into you and where you need to go to do that. Now, 
I'm sure everybody thinks if they work with Dr. Heidi, they're going to have to get divorced or they're going to have to cut (laughs) or they're, you know, and that's not the type of support I get. You have to understand what the situation is, whether you're living in it or whether you're trying to get out of it. And so I give people the same support, whether they're in a relationship or whether they're out of it, because so many people don't understand it. If I can just be the one person that says, I get it. I've been there. I remember exactly how you're feeling. It gives people something to hang on to. And so I don't ever make the decision if my clients should leave or stay. In fact, I always tell them, let's put that decision in a box. Because if that decision was easy, you would have already made it. Mm-hmm. We're going to put it in a box. We're going to put it on the shelf. And I'm going to teach you how to see the situation through the toxic person's eyes so you understand how they're wired. And the funny thing that we do is when we're in these, we think if we just tell them how they hurt us and if we just tell them how they hurt their feelings and what we need and what we need them to change, and if they, that someday they're going to wake up and act like us. So, <laughs> We look at them and are like, how come you can't just be normal? Like if we just keep repeating over and over, they're just ta-da, going to be like us. And and in reality, we are wired emotionally and they're wired non-emotionally. So to understand it, us emotional people have to be able to see it through their eyes. And my dad, I love him to death. He was such a great support through my whole life and through this business building and stuff. But he told me, because when I left, I was very bitter. And I wanted revenge and I wanted people to know what he was really like. Understandably so. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, what if he changes and he gets happy? And then, you know, I'm here to tell you, he's been married three times since me and every single one of them ran away as well. He is literally just unplugging one and plugging one in. But when I was struggling with this, now I don't know what to do because, you know, he hurt me and I don't have my kids. And, and my dad said, you are never going to have inner peace until you accept people for who they are, not who you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And I was always worried that I was never going to be able to forgive this guy. I don't even think about it anymore because, because I've watched it. He is who he is. I can almost, I haven't spoken to him in over 10 years. I could predict probably what he's doing now because his cycle is so similar because they don't care who's supplying them with the things as long as somebody is. So if somebody leaves their life, they just pick up the next one and stick it in like the fifties operators. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Can you talk about what you specifically do when you're working with people experiencing a relationship that's not healthy? And I love that you say like, you don't go in guns a blazing, like you have to get divorced, but instead that you are there to help them work through things, process things, give them tools. What does that look like? Well, I think the first thing people are grateful for is that I don't make them make a decision. Because you are not going to leave one of these relationships until you're ready and you are not going to be ready until you understand it. So I just have to put that decision away. And I said, that decision will make itself when you're ready. I have on my logo, which I don't know if you saw my logo. I have four parts to my logo and it's basically the cornerstones of my programs and how I work. Education leads to understanding and understanding is power and empowerment leads to freedom. So my first step is to teach you how to see it through the toxic person's eyes so you don't have to question it anymore. Then you can make a decision if you want to stay in it or if it's not going to work for you. Understanding it, the more you understand it, the more you realize this had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with them needing something from you and all the criticisms and all the put downs and all the self-doubt and you not being able to make decisions has nothing to do with you. This is nothing that's wrong with you. This is something that happened to you. Somebody programmed you to give them what they need. All we have to do is reprogram. And so then the next part is 
I do a lot of self-discovery because I had blonde hair when I left my former because three weeks after I married him and people on video, people can't see on video that you have very dark hair. I I have very dark hair. He told me three weeks after he married me that he was really disappointed in himself because he was always going to marry a blonde. So for the next 12 years, I highlighted and highlighted and highlighted. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and I didn't recognize myself. Now I am very extroverted. I'm the one that's dancing on the bar. I am very social. I'm loud. I'm funny. And when I left, unless a patient had come in to talk to me, I didn't speak. I didn't laugh. I didn't go see friends. I walked with my head down all of the time and it absolutely wasn't me. So I had to figure out how to find me back. And so I kind of tracked that back and I've incorporated all of those steps into my program because if you don't have your identity back, the first thing you're going to do is seek out another relationship. So you feel like you have an identity. You know, when I was in that, I really felt like I was compartmentalizing. I became a very good actress. When I was at work, I was a doctor. When I was at home with my kids, I was a mom. When he was around, I was a wife. You know, when my sister, when I was with my sister, I was a sister. But if you would have dumped me in a room by myself with nobody telling me what hat to wear, I would have gone out of my mind because I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And you have to find your identity back before you step back out into the dating world or trying to find friends or a new job that's got a healthy environment. Because if you don't, you're going to step right back into the same thing because you don't know the difference and you've been programmed to cater to everyone but yourself. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history 
and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. Can you talk about the toxic teardown? And what is the toxic teardown? And then how do you teach people to move forward after? Okay. So the toxic teardown is it's a, I make up terms all the time. And the toxic teardown is a term that I made up. I mean, it sounds very legit. I'm like, I'm like guessing what it is. I'm like, this is definitely a thing. So even if you made up the term, it's it's already like highly valid. (laughs) I try to use words that people can relate to. And so when I think about when I left and I moved and didn't have my kids and I couldn't make decisions. I mean, I thought if I made the wrong decision, a firing squad was going to show up because my decisions were always criticized or how come you did it that way? Or why didn't you do it this way? I couldn't even order off of a menu when I left. And it wasn't because he, my former was telling me what to eat, but he would say, how come you're having chicken? Or don't you think that's too expensive? So at 35 years old, I'm waiting to see what he orders, waiting to see what the price point is. And then I order something that I don't even want, hoping that it won't get criticized. So I had given up all my decision-making ability. So when I talk about the toxic teardown, it is, okay, now you're laying in pieces. You have no idea who you are. You've got blonde hair. You don't have your kids. You have no money. Now, where do I go from here? And when I look back, everything that I was then was because of what I had given up to try and fit better in that relationship. And that was my independence. That was my values. That was decision-making. It was owning my own life. And it was my identity. You know, my values, this is, it's funny now, but it's embarrassing. I always held honesty as, you know, what are your values? Oh, honesty is one of my values, right? And I always said that. And it's, it's probably because I can't lie. Like I am the worst fibber in the world. But here I am saying how important honesty is with me, for me. And I lived with a cheater for 12 years. So, so I may sit there and say honesty is my value, but I'm not living by my values because I'm accepting things I shouldn't accept. I'm allowing things I shouldn't allow. And just like our boundaries, we fall into the value system of of other people because it's easier for us to function in that type of relationship. Mm. And I, I do think leaving was the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. The years without my kids was was terrible. I was very I was very lost. I was very embarrassed. I carried a lot of shame with that. But I will tell you, finding myself back, it was so hard because nobody tells you where to start. Everybody says, you just need to love yourself more. And you're like, oh, thanks. Does that come with an owner's manual? Mm -hmm. You know, and I just- Just a little self-compassion. Yes, I just floundered around because I didn't, oh, what what does loving yourself more mean? Go get a pedicure? Like, I don't know. And, but I have to tell you, it was the hardest thing, but it was the most rewarding thing because I kept thinking I have to find that girl that I was before that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I kept striving for that. And I'm looking at me now. I am not that girl. I am completely 100% different. And I am grateful for that relationship because I would not be half of the person or as strong as I am if I would not have had to go through that. Yeah. 
you know, I have to ask about your daughters. So you shared that you didn't see them for five years and it sounds like that has changed now. Can you talk a little bit about what that has looked like over the last 10 years? Well, I actually had that because you had sent me a question that said, in what ways are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh, yes. Okay. So let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Um, And I thought, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to give myself a little grace here. I did the best I could in the situation that I was in, which was not good. You know, I did, I, I couldn't protect my kids when I was there. Well, I, why I stayed so long thinking I could, but I was not the example they needed. I was not anything for them to look up to. I did not carry the values that two little girls should be able to, to see in their mom. And then I leave them, right? I carried so much guilt. I missed both of their teenage years. I left them when they were 11 and 13. I didn't get to teach them how to wear makeup. I wasn't there when they got their first period. I like they're dating. I missed all of it. You know, he pulled them out of school because as soon as I left, he just transferred the control to them, pulled them out of school. So they worked at the office and they worked on the farm and they were homeschooled. And that broke my heart because I can't imagine somebody like that homeschooling me. And I couldn't talk about it. I would cry all the time. I'm getting tears even talking about it now. I would cry all the time because I'd go home and see my sisters. Well, they have their kids and their kids want to know where my kids are. Well, how do, I mean, I didn't even know how to explain that. And when they were 17 and 19, now I do have to tell you, I also knew that I had covered up his behavior so much that I knew that they had to be able to see his true colors. Now, my kids are tough. They're problem solvers. They were in it just as long as I was. They knew how to take care of themselves. We had safety plans in place. They had spare car keys hidden. They had all that. But I knew that if they didn't see his true colors, that when they were 18, they might not be able to make the best decision that they could on that relationship. And so I held on to the fact that They need to see it because if they don't, they're going to step into relationships just like that. And they agree with me. When they were 17 and 19, I got a call and it was a sheriff and there had been a physical altercation between him and my kids. And that's when they finally came back. It's not that I didn't ever hear from them because if there was an emergency, they would find somebody else's phone and call me. But I only ever heard when there was an emergency, when they couldn't stand it anymore, or there had been something really bad happening. So I had to learn that no news was good news. If I did not hear from them, they were doing fine. And I had to just go on the fact that my kids could take care of themselves. And when they were 17 and 19, they came back and they have basically been with me ever since. My youngest has not spoken to her dad in over six years. My oldest sees him for dinner like once every couple months, but they both know the distance that they need to keep from him in order to keep themselves safe. And by me leaving and me regaining my strength and becoming the example they need, they know that they have it in themselves to take care of themselves now. Mm -hmm. So they're 25 and 27 now. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's when you're supposed to go, oh, you don't look old enough to have a 27 year old. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. You missed that. You missed that that cute. Um, And about three years ago, we, I finally took them on a little vacation. We had never been able to go on a vacation before, and they wanted to go through all the pictures when they were kids. Well, I hadn't been able to look at those pictures. They were so triggering for me because Mm -hmm. I could see this Christmas tree. And then I think of this horrible thing that happened that day after, you know, so I was never able to go through the pictures, but I took them and we went through them and we we cried and we laughed and we went, went through all of them. And then they, oh, I'm going to cry. They said, mom, 
you cannot feel guilty one more day about leaving us because if you would have stayed, we'd probably all still be there. Yeah. So, and so they kind of relieved me of that guilt. So what I'm doing now, as far as being a shameless mom is I'm accepting the fact that the decision I made actually worked out for the best Mm -hmm. for all of us. I will tell you too, I will not let a client leave their kids. I know way too much now to get them coached around that. I've had two that were on the verge of walking away from their kids. And I was able to, you know, don't do what I did. It was Mm -hmm. terrible. And, you know, I work with a lot of family law attorneys. And so I know enough about the laws and stuff that I can get people to work where they don't have to leave their kids. I also want to thank you so much for sharing all that. And I want to honor that you doing what you did the way that you did it while incredibly challenging. And I'm sure I can't imagine making a harder decision in my life. That decision that you made has allowed other women to make different decisions. And Mm -hmm. while that's not a gift I would choose for you or anyone (laughs) would choose for you, I think there is value in being able to see that this is part of the legacy of that story. And I also want to encourage people listening. And I think that there's so much trust in our community within the Shameless Mom Academy that we trust that when moms make these kinds of decisions, when we make the most unimaginable decisions that we've ever had to make in our lives, that we trust another mom's or woman's instinct that she's making the choice that's right and best in that moment. Um, And even if that's not a choice that she would make again, or a choice that she would recommend to other people. And I also think it takes so much self-awareness and insight to say, this is what I did. And this is And here's what I learned from it. And here's how I, in my work, advise other women differently, or here's how I was able to educate myself and find resources and tools so that when other women are faced with a similar situation, now they have other choices instead of just feeling like there's only one way out, that there might be a few different options. Uh, And I think that that's a huge, a huge gift, first of all, and then also just a huge part of the legacy that you're building in the work that you're doing. Yeah. And people, you know, people ask me all the time what I regret the most. I did not realize how extreme my former was because I was in it every day. And I've been doing this for seven years and I have only ran into maybe two that were more extreme than my former, but you wouldn't have been able to tell me that because I was so used to it. And, And so people ask me, you know, what do you regret or what would you change? And I am 100% in agreement with you. I had to do every single thing wrong in order to be able to do the job that I do. Because if I wouldn't have gone through it the way I would have gone through it, I wouldn't be half as valuable to the people that I work with. Now, would I want to go through it again? No, but I am grateful that I did because the people that I get to help don't have anybody else that understands it. Yeah. What do you want to say to the woman who's listening to this conversation right now who finds herself relating to your story in different ways, but maybe doesn't know what to do next or what to do as she's maybe starting to kind of unfold things that might be happening in her relationship that toxic and maybe that she has a toxic partner. The first thing I would tell people to do is get as much education as you can, whether that's through podcasts, whether that's through reading, whether that's through Googling diagnosis, whether that's whatever, just start gathering information. Because when I was in it, I literally thought, I am the only person on the planet that has a relationship like this. 
you know, what is wrong with me? What did I do wrong to end up in this? And it's because I didn't do any research. If there is listeners that are kind of questioning, because we talked about the room that doesn't stink, there is something on my website called the toxicity profile analysis. Okay. It's 106 questions. I know it's long, but I had written it so that people could, could go on there and answer it. And then if they scheduled with me, I could see what type of personality they were dealing with to get, because to have somebody get on the phone with me and tell me a 13 year story is, it's too emotional and it's very upsetting, but you can take that TPA without ever booking with me. But if you've been in it for a while, it's very interesting to go back and read those questions because there's a lot that you would read and go, oh yeah, he does that every day. Okay. Every single one of those questions is something that's not normal. It's toxic. And so it's very interesting when people go through it and they're like, oh my gosh, he's been doing that for years or she's been doing that for years or my mom always did that and I never even realized it. So just mm-hmm. taking the TPA is will start people thinking on it, whether they never talk to me or not. It doesn't matter as long as they can get something out of that. Thank you for that. And I want to also point out, you just also, you mentioned if it's first one's partner or relationship with their mother or another person, the other piece of the th- of this, it's really significant that we didn't, ha- didn't have time to dive into, which I think would be, um, is also really important to acknowledge and honor is that sometimes these toxic relationships are with people that are not, and it might not be in your marriage. It could be with a parent for sure. I have friends who are in that situation. It could be with a coworker. It could be with a sibling. It could be with your best friend from high school. Like there's these different relationships that impact us in all sorts of different ways. And so I'm so grateful that you have this tool. We're going to make sure that we point everyone to it. Um, do you want to go ahead and say the web where people can find that website for it to take the, um, the TPA analysis. Yeah, and let, let me say this really quick, just because you brought yeah. up the family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain people who are toxic to you that you cannot cut out of your life. Right. When you leave a toxic marriage, the goal is to get them out of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And we talk no contact and all that, but when it's a mom or when it's a sister, what I teach people in those situations is we have to learn to stop feeding them with what they need. So you just have to learn how to interact with them differently so that their behaviors don't affect you. Yeah. And and that's encouraging to a lot of people because they don't dare seek out toxic relationship help thinking that they have to cut people out of their lives. And that's, mm. that's not always the case. Um, yes. My website is coachingwithdrheidi.com and I have a podcast uh, like yours. It's on all the major platforms. It's called, it's not normal. It's toxic. I did just launch a members only podcast where I answer questions from listeners a lot more specifically than I can answer on the free podcast because I don't know people's situations. So an answer I give or a solution I give to something for somebody who's in a mildly toxic relationship may be very detrimental to somebody who's in an extremely toxic relationship. So I answer questions a lot more specifically on that that member subscription podcast. And then I also run a support group on Facebook. It's called Strength Within. It's a private group and it is a community of people that are going through the same thing. So you don't have to feel like you're the only one on the planet with a marriage like you have. Oh my goodness. Oh, so much goodness in here, Heidi. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for everything that you shared, especially thank you for those vulnerable pieces of your own story that you shared really transparently with our audience. Is there anything else before I let you go? Is there anything else that we didn't get in that you wanted to make sure that we left people with, or do you feel like we're good? Well, just know if you're listening and you feel like you're stuck, I felt so stuck. I didn't see any way out. 
And just know if I can do it, you can do it. And do not forget that there is always options because when you're in this, you feel like you have no options. One of the biggest things is financial. And I had money when I was there because we had money. But when I left, I didn't have access to it, which is basically the same thing as somebody who's going to have to leave without it. So there are options, there is help and, and your life doesn't have to look like this forever. And you have permission to leave any relationship that is not healthy for you. Excellent. Excellent ending. Thank you. So I'm going to link up everything in the show notes. So if people go to the shameless mom Academy, click on the episode with Heidi Brocky, and then we will have all the links mentioned to the TPA and uh, toxic analysis, the podcast to Heidi's website, all your social media is in there as well. Heidi, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for doing this really, really important work. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.